I've been, I've been excited to, to really share uh, through this series, really my, my own life. Um, you know, the first message I talked about Jesus walking towards us and, and how he consistently and constantly, you know, walks towards us even when we are uh, pushing him away and trying to run our own life. And really what I was sharing with you guys is, is a picture of my own life, right? You know, Jesus called me the first time and I, I didn't say yes. Anybody, can anybody resonate with that, right? Anybody, any honest Christians in, in the room here today? But aren't we grateful and thankful that, that Jesus will continually come after us, continually knock down barriers, continue to pursue and cause us, and we follow him, finally, right? And then we talked about last week about um, not running our own life, not running our own life, but having other things run our life. And, and we have this God it's Jesus who, who walks towards us as this good shepherd who, who breaks through the noise and becomes the, the voice that we can hear to lead us and to guide us and to shepherd us. And that's, that's the God. I'm, let me tell you, I have a lot of voices in my ear all the time. I have a lot of things that we're connected to, that we're listening to. And it's, it's, it's awesome that we have a God that can, that can pierce through the noise and change the dial so that we can hear him clearly and he can speak to us and guide us into green pastures and uh, beside still waters and, you know, all the, all the good things you read about in Psalm 23 where he restores us and he helps us in all those ways. So uh, this is really the story of, of my life that I get to share with you guys. So I thank you for walking with me as we walk through the Bible. And, and today we're not talking about running our own life or having other things run our life, but we're talking about what it looks like when you are run over by life, by struggle, by trials, and circumstances, and people. <laughs> uh, say that again, right? Um, when, you're, when you're run over, what does it look like? And I love that we have Scripture, that Jesus teaches us through Scripture, through his own example, what it looks like to, to walk through pain, to walk through struggle, to walk through pressure, um, and to still worship, yeah. and to still walk in the will of God. Amen. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, Jesus walking through. Amen to that? Amen. That Jesus walks through so that we can then walk through with him, right? Yeah. Amen to that. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to hop into our passage this morning. Um, Matthew 14. Let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. This is a, a, a good, good little portion of Scripture that we're going to read this morning, so I'm going to read it, and you guys can just hang with me as I read it aloud. You do not have to read it with me, okay? All right. All right. All right. It says this, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. 
And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of, of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for this picture in scripture of, of, of you walking through some stuff. Thank you that it would help us today, encourage us today to follow your example, to pursue some purpose while we're in the pain, to worship you while we're in some struggle. And I pray, God, that you will help us to have a new, fresh desire to worship you and to seek your presence in the middle of it. God, help us speak through me today. I pray that I decrease and you increase in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. All right. All right. So here we are. In this passage, there's a lot of things that's happening in this passage. All right, Jesus is, is uh, we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's the, it's the only miracle that we see in Scripture outside of the resurrection where, where, where uh, it's recorded in, in all four Gospels. It's an amazing miracle, and we see Jesus uh, walking on water, which is, is something that's really amazing, that only happens in that moment, that no one else has been able to replicate in the history of the world. Jesus walking on water shows his strength and his ability, and it's, it's awesome. These are great stories, but today I'm not necessarily talking about the stories. I want to talk about the context of the story and what we see Jesus walking through to accomplish these things. And let me tell you, he wasn't, he wasn't walking through, um, you know, tulip fields on unicorns with rainbows and, and having this really awesome time. He was walking through some stuff. The scripture starts like, like this after hearing these things in verse 13 and 14. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat. What did, what did, Jesus, what did Jesus hear? Jesus had just got wind that John the Baptist had been beheaded. His cousin, his family, his friend, his, the one who, who went before him, the one who baptized him, his partner in ministry to some degree, he, he was hurt by the news. And you see Jesus in this moment saying, you know, I just, 
I just kind of want to get away because I'm feeling something. I need to really get away and process. You have some of the disciples that are with Jesus, as we, we read about in the, in the, in the first uh, sermon in this series, that, that the, some of his disciples were actually followers of, of John before they were followers of Jesus. So he's also trying to pull some of his disciples away so that we can have some time to process some of this pain that we're dealing with, what was happening in this moment. Jesus is in pain. And then we see King, King Herod. And if you read earlier in this passage and you look at the other gospel accounts, King Herod is actually um, hearing about this Jesus. He's hearing about who he is. And he's, and he's trying to actually find Jesus because Jesus, he thinks that Jesus is the reincarnated version of John the Baptist. He's thinking that maybe Jesus might be this, this Elijah came back in the flesh and he wants to meet him. So there's this pressure that, that Jesus is feeling as King Herod is trying to search out and seek him. Jesus is performing miracles, and he's performing uh, miracles, signs, and wonders. And so we see that other people around him, other people are asking and wanting Jesus to become this king. They're trying to elevate him. So there's this pressure of ministry that's on Jesus in this moment. So he's really just trying to, to get away from, from this pressure and from this pain. And then you have the disciples. Again, I'm, I'm kind of kind of like, you know, pulling in all of the accounts from all four Gospels. But, but what you see is these disciples are, they've just come back from their, uh, their first missionary trip. Jesus has sent them, hey, go, go to all of these, these cities and towns and, and proclaim that the coming kingdom yeah, the, the, is coming near. And he's saying, go here, cast out demons, heal the sick, preach this word. And they've just come back and they're tired. They're telling stories to Jesus. They want to tell stories, and Jesus wants to hear these stories, but they're also tired, and it says that he wants to pull them away in Mark chapter 6 so that, so that they can actually have some time to eat. They've been running, and they're tired. Think about this. There, there's, there's pain, there's pressure, and they're just pushing and pulling, and they're, they're tired. They're fatigued, and Jesus is like, man, I just want to get away. Just want to go on mancation 2023. <laughs> and let's just, let's just go hang out, guys. Let's just go process. But what I love about, about this context is that it gives us really some, some insight into, into pain, into struggle, into strife, into how to process. Because Jesus tells us in John 16 that in this world we're going to have trouble. And what I love is that the Bible doesn't skimp on allowing us to see a really good example of Jesus actually going through trouble and walking through that struggle so that we can have this example. Because how many of you know that we all have pain? We all have loss. We all mourn loss. Like even now in our situation, we, we know it. We're very familiar with it here in Sterling. Loss of, of family members and friends, loss of jobs, loss of relationships, loss of financial means. We understand that there's some pain there, and sometimes we just want to get away from it. We want to kind of just have some moments so that we can, re we can retreat, we can relax, we can just get some time to process what's going on. And then there's the, the pressures of life that come against us, right? You all have jobs. There, there are the demands that come on you. 
right? We have this pressure of trying to climb this corporate ladder. There's something that where people are pushing us or other we're, either we're pushing ourselves, but there's still this, this pressure that's, that's there. And to some degree, you're just like, man, I, I just need a mental health day, right? Anybody ever been there? Maybe it's just me, right? Okay, there are all the hands. You guys understand what I'm talking about. You just kind of want to, you want a vacation, you want a break, you want to relax, you want to chill. And then you have this pushing and pulling that happens in your life and, and you're just, and you're exhausted and you're, and you're tired and you're, you know, the saying is you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired, fed up from being up? all the time, running from place to place with so many responsibilities. And I'm not, I'm not going to complain to you guys about my own issues, my own pain, my own responsibilities, because I know that you guys are probably dealing with more things than I am probably dealing with. And we can probably, after service, what we'll do is that we'll have a pity party for each other, and we'll <laughs> hang out, and we'll talk about all the things that is going on in our life. But I'm, I got to tell you, family, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm that kind of tired where, like, if, if, I, if I sat down, you know that kind of tired? If you sit down for, for too long in, in, in a place, it, it's over. It's a wrap for you, right? It doesn't matter where you are. You could be at Starbucks with a cup of coffee, and you sit down for 10 minutes, and it doesn't matter. You're going to be catching some Zs, right? That's the kind of tired that I am right now. And I know you guys understand that. But Jesus, Jesus decides in this moment that he really wants to get away if you read it, but but as he decides to get away, what happens? The people pursue him. He wants to get away, and the people are chasing him. How about that? You guys know what that's like, right? That you just want to get away. Man, but the bills, they still got to be paid. You guys feel that? You know? The bank doesn't care that you want a mental health day. You know, they, they want their money in the account. Right, there's stuff that just keeps popping up. I and mean, sometimes you just want to just relax, relate, release. You want to woo-saw. You want to just get away. You want to catch your breath. And things just keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And if you got kids, they just keep popping up out of nowhere <laughs> with, with needs and requests and games and, and homework. And then you got to wash dishes and wash clothes. And you got to wash their face, the gunk out of them. And it's like, it's like they just... They just keep coming with, with things, and it's just responsibility. And if you got a boo or a bae, for, for those who aren't familiar with the language, you have a significant other. They have needs. Period. But what I'm talking about this morning is, is, is something different. Because, yes, Jesus was in pain. Yes, he was pressed. Yes, he was tired. But what was, what was pursuing Jesus wasn't kids or bills. What was pursuing Jesus was purpose. And Jesus had to make a decision. Will I pursue my pain or will I pursue my purpose through my pain? Will I follow my emotions or will I be led by my devotion to God? Will I wallow in, the, in my wounds or will I walk in the will of God? And Jesus chooses in this moment purpose, devotion, and the will of God. Family, he was, he was wounded, 
but he chose the will of God. I love, I love how Jesus says this in John chapter, chapter 4 when he's talking to the disciples and, and they're coming to bring him food and he's just talked to the Samaritan woman and, and they're coming to, to give him something and he sees out in the crowd the, these people coming towards him from the town and they're bringing him food and they're saying, man, you got to eat. And Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father. Like what, what feeds him, what, what he wants to consume, his worship is to do the will of the God, will of, of the Father who sent him. So what, I'm, what am I saying here? I'm saying Jesus says, even though I'm wounded, I'm still going to worship. Even though I'm wounded, I'm still going to worship. And that's the question that I'm asking you today. What will be your choice in a moment where you're struggling, where you're in pain, when you're pressed, when you're tired? Will you pursue pain or will you pursue the purpose through the pain? Will you let your emotions lead you or will you let your devotion guide you? And even though you are wounded, will you still worship? There's this amazing story I shared with my wife last night, and I loved it. Um, my son, six, six-and-a-half-year-old Levi, had a book report um, on Pete the Cat. Anybody familiar with Pete the Cat? Right? One of the most amazing stories that I've ever read, and it stuck out to me so much that I thought I would share it with you today because Pete the Cat gives us some, some perspective Pete the Cat has, this, has these new white shoes, all right? And he loves his white shoes. And so Pete the Cat puts his white shoes on, and he starts walking. And he starts playing this song as he's walking. I love my white shoes. I love my white shoes. And that's the song that Pete the Cat is singing as he's got his white shoes on. And Pete, <laughs> I'm not my brother, so that's not, that's not it. But Pete the cat is walking with his white shoes on. And all of a sudden, Pete the cat finds himself in a pile of strawberries. Don't know why there's a pile of strawberries. And he didn't see it before he walked into it. But Pete the cat walks and he steps in a pile of strawberries. And if you watch the YouTube, there's a narration. And the narrator, narrator goes, um, what color do you think the shoes turn? The kids say, red. Do you think Pete the Cat got upset? He says, goodness no. Pete the Cat just changed his song to, I love my red shoes. Come on. I love my red shoes. Pete the Cat is walking, and there's this pile of blueberries that he steps into. And as he's walking and steps into the blueberries, what color do you think his shoes turned? Blue. Oh, you just might say purple. No, it's blue. <laughs> I mean, it's blue. Okay, all right. It's a kid's book. It's a kid's book. So, blueberries. The shoes turn blue. Do you think Pete the Cat got upset? Goodness no, he says. He just changed his song to, I love my blue shoes. I love my, and, and you, know, it's, it's, you should watch it, it's amazing, because what happens is he steps into a pile, uh, uh, a muddy, uh, muddy water, and the shoes turn brown, and he starts singing, I love my blue shoes. Then he steps into uh, a puddle of water, and it wipes away everything, but his shoes are wet, 
But does Pete the Cat get upset that his shoes are wet? No, he just changes his song to, I love my wet shoes. Then he goes on and he says, the moral of the story is that no matter what you step in, you keep on stepping and don't stop singing your song, right? Pete the Cat is teaching us something in this children's book about perspective. So those, those of us that have lived life long enough understand this, that stuff happens. Life has trials. It has uh, twists and turns. That's a given. But just because you step in some stuff doesn't mean that you stop stepping. We, we face mountains, but look, family, we keep moving. We have struggles, but we keep singing. We have pain, but we keep pushing. We sung it earlier today. We, we raised a hallelujah in the presence of our enemies. We sing in the middle of our storms. This is a perspective to have. And Jesus teaches us the same thing in this passage, that even though he is, he is wounded, he doesn't stop worshiping God with his life and walking in the will of God. In pain, there's still purpose to pursue. We can be full of emotions, but we can still be full of devotion at the same time. And don't let, whew, don't let the enemy de- deceive us here in this, in this moment. I, so I think what, what happens for us is that when we, when we get in, in pain, we can allow our pain to really become the the, 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 the central thing that we focus on in our life. And the enemy will use that. He will use our dilemmas to distract us. That's a bar, right? Um, and you can't allow that, that to happen because what that does is the more, the, most, the, the more that you focus on yourself, the more that you focus on your issue and your circumstance, the less that you can actually focus on God and you can focus on the things that God has put in front of you, and that would be other people. Listen, the greatest, the great commission calls us to do what? To go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them. How can we go and make disciples if we're stuck in our pain and in our situation, right? The greatest commandment teaches us this, or the greatest commandment is to what? Love God with all of our heart and our mind and our soul. It says love your neighbor as yourself. How is it possible for us to love God with all of us, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, if we are consistently and constantly just, just stuck and focused on our own issue and our own pain? And I'm not here trying to minimize pain and, and struggle because I know that it's real. I know that it's real. But what I'm saying is sometimes we, we cannot allow the pain to become bigger than the purpose that God has for us in our life. There's something that God wants, wants to do through us. I'm here to just kind of share a little bit in the sense that that some of you may not, even, may not even feel that you have purpose. But I'm here to share with you that you do today, that God has a purpose that's bigger than you can even think or even imagine. And what would happen if you were to choose to worship God instead of wallowing in your wounds? We look at what Jesus did, and he feeds 5,000, 20,000 people, really. And lives are changed. Things have been shifted. And they're leaving with leftovers. There's something that God can do through you 
if you were to pursue purpose through the pain. Now, there's, that's what I would call perspective in the pain. And I think that God gives us perspective in the pain, but also not only do we have, have some purpose, but God also has a purpose for us in the pain as well. You know, one of the other uh, Gospels teaches us this in John chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. It says, um, I think we have it on the screen. It says, when, when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. I love this because Jesus is setting this example here in this moment. And there, there are really uh, two approaches that we see in this moment. But Jesus has already had something predetermined in his mind what he's going to do. But you have two approaches. You got the disciples and you got Jesus. The, the disciples have already kind of predetermined in their mind that, look, they don't have to, 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 uh, to, to leave here. No, I'm, let me say this correctly. They don't have to go home. But they got to get up out of here, right? <laughs> that's, that's what we see from the disciples. And it's, it's, it's possible that, again, they were tired and they were, they were hungry. And some of them were probably still mourning the loss of John the Baptist. And so they were just really saying, you know what? Man, you guys go your place. We go our place. Just go somewhere, just not with us so that they can eat in peace. And they had purposed in their heart to send the people away. But Jesus, on the other hand, he had a different approach. He had already purposed in his heart, as you read in this passage, listen, there is something that I am going to do in this moment. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of God that we serve here, that these people were pursuing him, and he decides, hey, they're pursuing me, so I'm going to feed them. That's a God. That is our God. We pursue him, he feeds us. But the realities are the same here, right? The realities are they're both in pain and tired and struggling. And one chooses to send the people away. And the other one chooses to feed the people. But I think Jesus is teaching the disciples something through this. And there's a lot of lessons that we can learn if you read uh, through all of the Gospels and, and read the story of feeding the 5,000, there's probably maybe 200, 300 lessons that you can probably learn if you were to kind of dig into it. But I, that's not my message today. The biggest takeaway that I got from, from this today that I'm sharing with you today is that Jesus was giving these men an education through their experience because he knew what they were going to face in the future was going to be, was going to be something very similar to this, that he was going to send these men on the greatest mission ever that they were going to start the Christian church, that they were going to be healing the sick, they were going to be feeding people, they were going to be serving people, they were going to be making disciples, they were going to be baptizing people, all nations, they were going to be persecuted, they were going to be beat, they were going to have long hours, long nights, pressures, pain, and people that they have to deal with, they were going to have to serve people, they were going to have to meet needs even though they didn't have the necessary means to meet the need, and they were going to have to depend on God and his miracle moving power in their life. They, they, were going to, they were going to need all that, and see, Jesus knew that, and so he was using a moment like this to prepare them through this trial for what they would face in their future so that they can have some, some fruitful endeavors in their future. Jesus was using this moment because he could see their future, and he was prepping them for it and teaching them. 
And in moments of struggle or difficult circumstances, when, when they would have been in the need for God to move, they would have been able to look back at this moment and say, man, you remember that time, Peter, when, man, we were tired and we were hurting and we didn't have anything and we were in a remote place and it was dark and we just, and we had all of these people needing something from us and there was pressure and all of these things. And you remember that moment that that Jesus said, won't you go out and ask somebody for something and, and see if they have anything? And we brought it back to Jesus, and he broke it, and, and there was 5,000 people, maybe 20,000 with women and children, and God did something amazing, and he moved, and it was this moment, and we saw God do it. Man, do you remember that? Man, won't, won't he do it? Like, and if God would do it then in that moment, man, what do you think he would do right now when we need him to move in our life? Man, God did it then. Do you think God would do it now? And he's teaching them something in this moment. And I think God takes us through stuff like this, takes us through trials, takes us through issues so that we can be more fruitful in our future, but also so that we can have, a, have something inside of our souls that reminds us that God has done something for us and that he will do it again. I can, if I had more time, I would give you a bunch of biblical examples of, of this because I love that God not only uses our life to remind us of what he can do, but God gives us a whole Bible of stories of him moving. Hebrews 11 is probably one of the best chapters where you can see God in this, in this record of, of people trusting God and God moving on their behalf. And I wish I, I could read it, but, you know, it, it starts basically talking about this person, Abraham, in faith, obeyed God, and, and, God, and God did this. You know, Moses in faith, he obeyed God and God did this in faith. This person, this person uh, was going through a struggle, but they believed God and God did this. All right. In faith, they, God moved in faith. God moved. It keeps going on and on and on again. And then it ends up in, in verse uh, 32 of this chapter. And it says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David, Samuel and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses were turned into strength. They became strong in the battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones and back again from death. Listen, we learn what it looks like to obey God in the middle of mayhem. We learn what it looks like to have faith in the face of real giants. We learn what happens when the people of God come together. We can, we can see them move together. We can see God move on their behalf. We see God fighting for them. We see God saving them and rescuing them and re restoring them. And it's teaching us something in here. It's teaching us how to have faith in God, how to believe God for big things, how to sacrifice big things, how to pursue relationship with God, how to pursue purpose in our pain. And it's teaching us that there is purpose in our pain. And that God is going to use these, these temporary painful things for his eternal glory, that he's going to turn our evil and turn it around for his good, that he's going to work things out for our good, that he never changes. And if he does things in the past, that he will do those things again. There's purpose in our pain. Now, look, I know there's many of you in this room, many of you in this room who, who can testify to what God has done in your life. 
You can testify to the fact that you've been through some stuff. And you can also testify not only that you've been through some stuff, but that you are better because you have been through some stuff. That you are who you are right now because of what you've been through. That you are more fruitful in your life right now because of the things that you have faced in the past. And now you can look at certain things and say, you know what? God did something for me here, and I know that I'm facing something really big right now, but I know that since he moved here, he's going to move there. And I know that I'm stronger now to be able to deal with the stuff that I'm facing right now. That is... Purpose in the pain. Purpose in the pain. So we've talked about perspective in our pain and purpose in our pain. And my last point here today is the pursuit of God's presence. So we look at verses 22 through 25, and it says this. It says of Matthew 14. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. And go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. See, we saw earlier that Jesus wanted to get away but he couldn't get away because he was pursuing his passion and his purpose that God had put him on earth to accomplish. And then he was teaching major lessons through, through uh, the, the feeding of the 5,000. But once, but once Jesus did what Jesus does, which is exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine, that's what, that's what our God does, right? He was like, all right, I've done my thing. Now y'all got to get up out of here, right? That's what he does. So he sends the people away, and then he sends the disciples away. And he is deliberate about getting rid of all distractions so that he can go up to the mountain and spend some time with the Father. Listen, I'm, I'm not here to really uh, preach about walking on water. Again, these are the, the, I'm preaching about the context of what's happening in this, in this moment. So I think they, they, they all have some, some relation that Jesus is finally getting a moment where he's having to to, to push people away so that he can finally say, look, I need to go spend some time in the presence of God. This is what this message is really about. It's not about Jesus necessarily walking on water, because I think we'll, we'll get there, but this message is really about teaching us something. About the before, before Jesus walked on water, which is a miracle, before he walked through the storm, before he walked on the water, Jesus worshiped God. Jesus went up to the mountain and spent time with the Father. We see him getting filled up. We see him uh, getting some download from God. And he's, he's coming off one of the most difficult moments in Scripture outside of the, the last week of his life, going to the cross. I mean, before he, he went out in the storm, he worshiped God. He worshiped the Father. Before he walked on water, family, he walked in the presence of of God. And spiritually speaking, I think this is really so important for all of us here in this room. That if you want to walk through a storm, if you want to walk on top of troubled waters, then you need to get in the presence of God. Jesus is our example. Like and subscribe to this example, family. (laughs) Get rid of all of your distractions, right? 
Sit, sit your phone aside for just a moment if you can. If you're not too attached and addicted to it, just set it to the side. Push your family. As- I wouldn't push you away. I'm just saying, but push. <laughs> set them aside for maybe just a few moments or find some time where they are not around so that, so that you can not, not process with just some ordinary person and get away but the process with the one who can actually help you and get into the presence of God so that he can download something to you, so that he can fill you with his spirit, so that he can help you. And I'm telling you right now, this this is something that, that is so helpful for me because, again, you see Jesus getting with the Father, and the next time you see him, you see him walking on water. I think the two are related. I don't think you see Jesus walking on water without Jesus actually spending time and getting this this powerful impartation from the Father that he needed. And that's the same for us. That's the same for us. And I'm just just asking and encouraging you this this morning to to have that same type of of desperation that Jesus had to get get with the Father. To have that same type of of hunger for for his word and for time with him that you would say, you know what, I I love my phone, I love social media, I love all of these things that I'm I'm getting from from things, but, but, man, better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Like, like 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 a deer... That, that pants for water, oh, so my soul longs for the Lord, right? That is, should be our, our heart in a moment like this. G- David in, in the Psalms is beautiful because he's walking through some stuff, but he's still calling his men saying, you know, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise the Lord. And he says, look, come, come taste and see that the Lord is good. That's, that's his cry to the people. And that's something that he's saying because he's tasted it and it's gotten him through some stuff. And what I'm saying this morning is, Get before the Lord. Hebrews 4 and 16 tells us like this, that you can with, with confidence approach the throne of God, this throne of, of grace, and you can find mercy and find grace and help in your time of need. That's what God makes available to us. I believe that we can, we can walk through storms and we can walk on water. I do. I'm speaking spiritually. I might try to walk on water when I go to the beach next month. <laughs> but I believe it because Peter did it. Jesus responds to Peter's bold ask, hey, can I, can I come? Jesus' response to Peter's ask was, come, come. That was his response. Come, come. Like if you are, if you're like me and you are in the middle of some some pressure and some pain and you're tired and you're going through some stuff, you got wounds, you got hurts, there's, man, you are, you are bitter, you are broken, you are beat up, you are burnt out. You're, you're all the things. Hear Jesus' invitation today. You want to walk through the storm? You want to walk on top of the water, water representing trouble, water representing 
uh, barriers to progress. It's representing uh, a number of different things in Scripture. But if you want to walk through it, if you want to walk on top of these things like Jesus did, here's an invitation this morning. Come. Come. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. Scripture tells us that we can exchange our, our, our yoke, which is heavy. We can exchange it for his yoke and his burden, which is light. And Jesus offers an invitation, says, come. How can he do that? You know, pursuing passion and pursuing purpose in pain is something that Jesus Jesus emulates and, and does and does. And you, you read scripture and obviously we know the story, but the greatest pain that anybody could go through was what Jesus went through going to the cross. The pressure of the moment had him in the garden of Gethsemane sweating blood. Think about that. Think about that type of pain, that type of pressure. Crown of thorns, nail pierced hands, broken bones. And he feels the weight of sin and he's crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Think about the, that type of pain, that type of hurt. What does Jesus do? He walks through that. Because he had a purpose. He's pursuing his passion. His passion for us, his people. He walks through that so that we can accept his invitation to come so that we can walk through our stuff as well. I think God wants to, I think God wants to help us today. I don't know what you're going through, but I, I feel like God wants to help you today. God wants to pour out his presence on you today. God wants to offer you his hand today. He wants to pull you up out of the storm. He wants to give you some perspective in the pain. He wants to give you some idea of what your purpose might be today in this moment. Does any, anybody here need, need God to speak something to them right now? I see those hands. This, isn't, this, isn't, this is one of those moments where, where uh, you know, a, a kid, when my kids cry out to me and they lift their hands to me, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a sign to me that I need to pick them up. I got to help them. Like this is one of those moments where I think God really does want, want to help. It does require some surrender. This is one of those, those signs. So is there anybody here today, I want, I want to pray for us as a, as a church. And I know we're going through some stuff. I know we're walking through some stuff. But I believe, I believe in the God who wants to do some stuff for us, wants to help us in it, wants to pour out his spirit, wants to help us. 
So I'm just going to pray. You guys pray with me today. Holy Spirit, I, I ask for you to invade our situations, our hearts, our minds, our souls in this moment. I pray, God, that you would, you would give us a fresh uh, desire to come after you, to seek your face, to worship you, to grab your hand in this moment, to push aside everything else that would get in the way so that, so that we, can, we can actually be able to walk through this storm and walk through the trials and walk through our struggles. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come right now and, and, and to, to do something um, that only your Holy Spirit can do. And I pray that you would fill us afresh Fill us anew. God, change the, the dial of what we're listening to in our ears. Like, do, do, a, do a work right now. And I ask, God, as we surrender our lives to you, that you would do like you did in in that moment where you fed 20,000 people and sent them home with leftovers. But spiritually, you would, as you've broken open your body for us, that we would receive in this moment joy overflowing, peace overflowing, life overflowing, Hope, baskets overflowing, anointing overflowing. Pour out your spirit. Move amongst us. Thank you. You are a good God. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.